Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. You are now tuned in to the Fresh Air Channel, and you're listening to I Pray This Helps. It's been brought to my attention that a lot of believers don't know about or understand the concepts of very important Christian ideals, such as the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the full armor of God. And some, like myself, have been taught about it, but never knew exactly how to apply it or even how it would apply to them. Like our brother, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know who does want us to be unaware? Our enemy, the devil. He wants us to remain blind to the authority and the power that has been given to us through Christ Jesus, so that we are caught with our guard down when he tries to attack us. But guess what? You don't have to be defenseless or even weaponless. Our Lord has given us equipment to be protected and to fight back with while we're on the battlefield. And believe it or not, we're always on the battlefield. On this episode, I decided to record our small group's conversation on the full armor of God. We're in a three-part series about it, and this is part one. Now at times, they may sound distant, so it might take some turning the volume up and listening closely. But it's a great conversation nonetheless, so it's worth it. They were really happy about what we had talked about that night after it was over, and I pray you will be blessed as well. I'm Keith Roberson, and I pray this helps. So we'll go to a very popular text in regards to uh, the full armor of God. That is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18. All my Bible scholars, y'all know. Um... I'll just read it for the sake of time, but I will be calling on people throughout. Um, and I'm recording this. It's not a special occasion, but we are speaking about something that a lot of times we think we, we talk about things that are more so, I would say not, I mean, it's for Christians at large, but a lot of times it's more so rendered to our church Some a lot of times. But like this is something that any believer can and should grasp. And it's it's for everyone. So, uh, you know, so this isn't a topic that our whole church is on, but uh, um, we should be equipped in this. That's why we're recording today. Um, so Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 18. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Um, real quick, we did this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, any um, observations that you made when we read this? Every time I see Shield of Faith, I always think about that as our hope um, that anything that happens here doesn't even matter, that this is only a fleshly suit that, you know, can be destroyed, but our eternal home is with him. So when I see faith and then, the you know, flaming arrows from evil, it just, to me, shows that believing in um, better coming in the eternity is always going to be our shield against anything that happens here. Amen. I think that's, and I know Darren and I talked about this briefly on Sunday, but yeah. I think that's how you can see the apostles like literally being like get martyred and not even care because they know that tomorrow is better than today. Flesh and blood, Chris. Flesh and blood, bro. Yeah. Ain't no blood. Huh? huh? Flesh and blood have not revealed this. Okay. Who do you think he was? <laughs> 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 I thought he was calling me a blood. I, was like, I, 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 I just look good and red. <laughs> I have a tangerine hue to my skin. Anybody else? Alright, it's all good. Um, say this. Up until now, so we talked about, again, we talked about the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness and um, the shoes of peace, right? Mm -hmm. So up until now, Paul's description of the armor of God has been limited to items we wear. So, like, this is stuff that you wear as as a soldier of God and as a Roman soldier. They wore these things all the time. They didn't take them off. I mean, like, you shouldn't, you should never, like, you wouldn't, I mean, people walk around without shoes, but they didn't walk around without that stuff on, right? So those were the things that they had on. So um, so today we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. So these are the things that we are to take up. So they are things that they're beside you, they're near you, you know what I mean, at all times, ready at any point in given time. You know what I mean? So you don't always have to necessarily have them on. Like you shouldn't always like be defensive and you shouldn't always like... Oh, well, I, you know what I mean? It's not always like that, but in that time comes, when that evil day comes, this is when it's time, like, you should have it near, you should have it on your person, it should be ready for you to go. And um, to take up, it was um, that word, or it comes from the Greek word, dekome, to take up for immediate use. So the next three articles we need to take up for offense and defense against the enemy. So we'll start with the shield of faith. The Roman shield, the the suctum, the suctum, let's call it that. I think that's what it is. The suctum was not the standard medieval-esque shield most most pictured in their minds upon hearing the word. It was instead a very large, slightly curved, regular rectangular shield featuring at its center a large metal knob called a boss. So, like, 
That's where you held it at, you know, on the inside of the shield. It's this long rectangular thing. It's not like this little medieval shield that you see in medieval times. Super long. This, my bad. The scutum was an <laughs> impressive line of defense. Because of its sheer size, some were three and a half feet tall and almost three feet wide. Soldiers were afforded a great deal of protection from enemies. Because of its slight curve, it was able to deflect attacks without transferring the full force of the assault to the man holding the shield. Because of its boss, it was able to deflect even the most vicious blows and function in a limited offensive capacity as it, as a means of knocking an opponent backward. So it can actually like thrust the opponent backward, go away from you in preparation to attack you. So what is faith? Anybody want to give me their definition or a God-given definition of faith? Amen. 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 Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So here's a biblical definition of faith that clears up some common misconceptions. If faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, then this has has far-reaching implications. Substance is tangible, and evidence is solid proof. Faith is, by definition, not some hazy emotion without any grounding in reality. It is the irrefutable truth. It is real. So I I remember um, talking, uh, or I was praying, I was like, you know, and they were, I was praying with someone, and they was like, I have faith, but I just just don't have any, any proof. And I was just like, and I thinking I was thinking about the scripture, the evidence of the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's like the sheer fact in like in its simplest form, the sheer fact that you have faith, that in large part is the evidence. You know what I mean? And so it's like I have faith. That that's that's not might not be the full thing, but there's something there because I already have faith for it. So um in simpler terms, um, Tony Evans, my man, Tony Evans, he says, faith is acting like a thing is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God says so. So faith is acting like a thing is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God says so. So we don't just have faith just for faith's sake. We have faith based on the word of God. We have faith based on what God has said already. So Romans 8, 24 through 25 says, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. It was like, if you see it, it's, it's not hope. It's right there. Like, you don't have to. I don't have to hope that Scott is here. Like, I can see Scott. Scott is right here. It's not hope. You know what I mean? But, um... But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Though it is based on solid evidence, that doesn't mean faith comes naturally or easily. Like actually, like physically, tangibly seeing something. Paul here makes the obvious but necessary point. You don't hope for what you already have. Faith involves a huge element of trust. We must examine the evidence and see that God has proved himself to be unchanging and consistent and that we must firmly believe that he will fulfill his promises to us. A shield guard 
So this is why, like, why the image of, why a, a shield for faith? Like, why, why that? Why that specifically? So a shield guards. While a physical shield protects us physically, faith can protect our spiritual lives, even in the middle of physical trials. When Satan, through Nebuchadnezzar, attacked the values and beliefs of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were able to stand resolute and unwavering because of their faith. In their response, they essentially said, God is capable of delivering us from this fate. We don't know if he will or not, but that doesn't matter. He gave us his commands, and we are going to keep them regardless of the physical outcome. We know he can just as easily raise us from the dead. Ephesians 6, chapter 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, we talked about this in short um, a couple of weeks ago. So um, fiery darts, sometimes we view fiery darts as like they're coming to hit you specifically. It's not always that, especially in those times. Fiery darts were used to not just not just to hit the opponent, but to hit the surrounding things um, in the circumference of the opponent. So the opponent would take his, his or her eyes, or mainly his, eyes off of the um off of the enemy to go and tend to whatever fire was just started. So how often times in our life are we hit with fiery darts? You know what I mean? Like, like, wait a minute, this isn't even a focal point. This isn't even what we're supposed to be focusing on right now. And here we are, we're talking about what type of music style we should sing at church. We're over here talking about um, is does he come before the tribulation or after the tribulation? <laughs> So on and so forth. And even in your own personal lives, like when um, you might be dealing with stuff that might even be minuscule. You know what I mean? And it's like not even the point because the enemy wants to take your eyes off of what really matters. And what really matters is that we on we are, we are fighting a good fight of faith. And but we got to go and tend and be worried about. Not even going to say that it doesn't concern God, because all that concerns us concerns God. But it's like. Look, I'm taking care of that. Get back on duty. Stay where you're supposed to be at. Don't waver. Have on your shoes of have on your shoes of peace. Trust in me. Have on the shield of faith. Come on. Like don't stop worrying about all of this other stuff. I got you. You know? We're supposed to be on our post. And so I'll read it again. I don't know where I stopped. Um He's working everything out for our good. That whatever happens is for the ultimate best of everyone involved, however little it seems to be that way. A shield, secondly, a shield is the first line of defense. I thought this was dope. While the rest of our armor helps protect us from Satan's onslaught, it is not what you ideally want to be using to absorb every hit. So, like, you got on the breastplate of righteousness and you got on the... uh, (laughs) the belt of truth in the in the shoes of, of peace and all of that stuff. You don't necessarily want to be deflecting stuff with that all the time. That is not your first line of defense. You, you're pretty much exposed outside of those things. Yeah, and you're not, you don't have your guard up. I mean, I don't want to call it a second line of defense, but it's not your first line of defense. You kind of look crazy trying to deflect stuff with your belt all the time. You know what I mean? Who'd you tell you? You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, a shield is the first line of defense. While the rest of our armor helps protect us from Satan's onslaught, 
is not what you ideally want to be using to absorb every hit. You you do not, for instance, go out into battle initially blocking everything with your head. With our faith in, in God's omnipotence and care is strong, when it is strong, it is impossible for Satan to break through our shield and land on an attack. But when we allow doubt to creep in, as Peter did when distracted by the waves, we will start to sink. The rest of our armor will be battered, and so will we. But an actively raised shield shield of faith present, prevents this otherwise inhibiting fatigue. So like a lot, I would just say, like just by ha- like number one, just by having faith, just off rip. You know what I mean? Like not always have to go into, not always have to go into, well, well, let's see what the Webster's Dictionary has to say about mm-hmm. this. Let's see what the, the encyclopedia has to say about this. Oh, oh yeah, well, yeah, this aligns with the word of God. Like not always having to um, look back on stuff and not always having to like lament and, and cry and, and like just pray to God over and over, like just by just having sheer faith, like he's come through before he come through again. This isn't a thing. You got to do better than that. You know what I mean? Um, Wrote all the way, all the way up there. Number three, a shield can, can, a shield can incapacitate. When Christ was being tempted by Satan, his faith in the word and commands of God repelled Satan for a time. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 tells us that Christ was tempted in all things so that so this was certainly not the only encounter Christ had with the devil the boss or the metal knob in the um in the shield on the Roman shield allowed soldiers to give their enemies a stun inducing shove that would allow them to follow through with an attack our faith in God as demonstrated by Christ can also give Satan a good shove backwards and give us a chance to fight back by doing God's will and work. Because God tells us that faith cannot just be in our minds, it must produce actions, works of obedience and service. Um, James chapter 2, verse 20. Mm-hmm. The Roman military had an inventive and very effective tactic. Oh, this is dope. The Roman military had an, an inventive and very effective tactic that made use of their large shields. When enemies would begin firing arrows and other projectiles at the army, the soldiers would close ranks into a regular rectangular array. So have you, I know y'all seen 300. 300. So yes, if picture 300 in this instance. Uh, called the testudo or the or turquoise formation. And those on the outside would use their shields to create a wall around the perimeter. Then those in the middle would raise their shields over their heads to protect everyone from airborne missiles. The result was a formidable human tank that would be stopped only through a tremendous effort. So what do you think about, like, when you picture that? It's crazy. I think about basketball. You think, okay. And the reason Not why the I think about basketball, I'm hearing that attack, I just think about basketball, like, when you are playing against someone that is skilled on defense, Mm-hmm. Um, your thing is not to cross them up; it's just to create separation for mm-hmm. you to get your shot off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I feel like that's what it is for the Christian walk: is that you know, um, like AI, he didn't have the size to bully people inside. So mm-hmm. what did he do? He invented a crossover, mm-hmm. and that crossover, no matter how good of a defensive player, it provided enough time for him to actually mm-hmm. get his shot off. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I see as the Christian walk. Bless your blood, Chris. 
I think it, you know, like the body of Christ, you know, we're called to, mm. um, you know, protect one another. So when we get together with our shields, we can deflect the fiery yeah, darts of the enemy together and more effectively. Yeah. Because we have blind spots. You know, mm. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's our, good. Mm. Our, um, our brothers and sisters cover up. Amen. Amen. Amen, Dan. Think about example like a lion going after a herd of buffalo or mm-hmm. elk right. or whatever. Just right. looking to take off the prey. That's not hanging with the pack. Mm-hmm. So I think part of his strategy would be separate, divide and conquer. We make it a little bit harder on ourselves too because we become so separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely his one of his tactics right. is to get them, get us by isolate ourselves and isolate us. And, and we hear that all the time with Pastor Dahadi, where he says, um, "Christianity isn't the fight against um, sin; sin is the fight against isolation." Um, Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven through sixteen, and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When the Roman army joined its shields together, it became an almost unstoppable force. And if we in God's church, Join our shields, that is, strengthening each other with our faith, building up and serving within the body as we are able, we will become an unstoppable force, able to take on any challenge. We must remember as we fight that this is not simply our battle. This is the battle of all of our brethren, both near and around the world. And if we are to win, it will only be once we put our faith in God and stand side by side, contending earnestly and as one of and and as one for our common salvation, the salvation which was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude chapter 1 verse 3. So here are some, um, like we did before, here are some scriptures on faith. For the sake of time, let's just maybe read like two. But I'll, I'll dish them out for y'all because we are coming up to the sort of the spirit as you all know. And why not put it to use when we need to put it to use, right? So, um, scriptures on faith. Let's do it. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. And some of these are well-known scriptures to some. Some of them aren't to others. We'll read the first one and the last one. So, Felicia, if you could read Mark 11, 22 through 24. Um, Angel, if you could read Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Um, also, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And Luke chapter 17, verse 5. I go for it. Huh? No. Oh, did you have one? No, he was, he was only going to read one. Did you have one you wanted to? All right. And then Angel. Mm-hmm. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things says will be done. You will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Luke 17, 5. The apostle says to the Lord, increase our faith. Yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Now if anyone he lacks wisdom, he should ask for mm. He gives to all generously and grudgingly. He will be given to But let him ask in faith without doubt. Mm-hmm. The doubter is like a surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the being double minded. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So the next article is um, the helmet of salvation. So back in the Roman times, in the ancient Roman Roman history, large in large part, they used to have helmets on their head to protect themselves from this really broad sword that their opponents would have. They hit. It was made specifically to hit them on the head and be done with it. Right. <laughs> um. So that. Needless to say, the head of the body is um, one of the more unforgiving parts of the body. Like, if you injure it, is that safe to say? Um, <laughs> so, you need your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, need your head. Okay? It's super important. So, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians about the helmet of salvation, some of them may have found the analogy to be a familiar one. In the book of Isaiah, a description of God shows him as having having put on both the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Isaiah 59, verse 17. So keep in mind, remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that God is so good. The armor that he's telling us to put on, he has on himself. Like he has on that armor as well. God is, he's like, I'm not telling y'all to do nothing that I wouldn't do. (laughs) And like we see that with Jesus, you know what I mean? Like where he's like, yo, Commit your bodies as a living sacrifice, only and acceptable unto God, you know? Mm. Um, um, 
in referencing his Old Testament scripture, Paul drives home the point that it is, in every sense of the word, the armor of God, the same armor he himself wears. But it also leads us to consider what salvation is. What has it? What does it have to do with the helmet, and what is it meant for? So, um, there's I'm not going to say there's arguments, but there's conversations. You know, Bible scholars they argue and they talk about everything, right? Just down to like the most like okay, like I know y'all was arguing about that, but um, like even down to what in what instance was Paul talking about the salvation when he means the uh, the helmet of salvation? What part of salvation? So, um, and I might be confusing some of you all when I say that. But, um, and I've said this a few times, but salvation is, there's three types of salvation, right? And follow me. Follow me when I say this. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, justification is, to put it in simple terms, past tense, sanctification, present tense, Glorification, future tense. So you have been saved, just uh, justified, justified, never sinned. Sanctification, currently happening, will be happening until you're dead, un- until you get to glorification, which is the future tense when you get the helmet, the uh, the uh, helmet, the um, that's what we're on right now. But the uh, the crown and all of that stuff, and and the stuff that everybody likes to glorify. That is, um, so it's those three three parts. So some say like, oh, he could be talking about one part. Um, he could be talking about two. I'm going to say for the sake of time and for the sake of argument, and maybe because I just believe it, probably talking about all three, right? So helmet of salvation. I could be thinking about it in a moment of when I'm doubting and when I'm discouraged, right? And so... Coming to salvation in the justification standpoint, past tense. Look, I've been saved. I've been washed by the blood of, of Jesus. You know what I mean? There's no neither life, neither height nor depth. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, so on and so forth. Right? Um, present tense and um, like, oh no. And these are the ways. Like the enemy, he's he. His tact, like he's since Jesus died and has and rose with all power in his hands, he is rendered defenseless. The only and he's he's rendered like to the believer, he's harmless in so many respects. You know what I mean? Like in so many respects, in 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 the sense of he can manipulate you, he can cause you to fear, he can do this and that, but he can't take anything. You know what I mean, he can't take anything from you that you aren't willing to give to him. Do these specific tactics. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't have on the full armor of God. You know what I mean? Like these are like he's he's a manipulator and he's a liar. These are the two things that he uses. This is, he's other than that, you can't harm me. This is what you use to harm me. This is false stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I'm all the way up to the shield again. Yeah. Um well, uh, good question. Love it. How do these things work together? You mentioned lies, and I know that yeah. often by everything he says, might be present mm-hmm. to believe it. Because so, mm-hmm. we're kind of a sense where they're talking about how these things interchange, like the shield and the belt interplay, or is it individually 
use them individually, or can you use them synergistically, like together? You know what I'm saying? Because the belt of truth would be like, hey, this is the lie. Yeah. This is in the Word. This is in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. Don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Agree. I think, yeah, no, I, I, once again, if you don't have truth, all of this stuff falls apart. So in order for me to, like, really rest on my salvation, it got to be true. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to misquote the scripture. I'm definitely going to paraphrase in this moment. But, you know, like, where the scripture talks about, like, yo, if this stuff isn't real, we are to be, like, yeah, we are the worst to be pitied. I mean, but since it is true, since he is risen, since he is, you know what I mean? Like, we don't have anything to worry about, and we should be glorifying in it, or, or glorifying the Lord in it. Um, yes, do I think that they all go hand in hand? Can you can they be used at the same time? Can they be used interchangeably? I would say so. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold anything over the other. I think they all go together. Yeah. And it's like we discussed. It's like we discussed a couple of weeks ago when um, Stephen brought up the point. Stephen was sitting where you are. Sorry, uh, when Stephen um, brought up. <laughs> 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 well, uh, my man Stephen over here <laughs> looking you dead in the face. <laughs> All right, dog. Come on. Word. How did he looking at me when he preaching? I told him about it. Did you you told on me what he said? I didn't tell on you. I just told him. I was like, Bro, you stare at four people because I just been watching them. I told and him. he was like, Yeah, I'm just familiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> yeah. I see you. <laughs> and it, so it's like it's like what Stephen was saying last week, and he kind of got it. I'm not pointing at you. It's like when Stephen <laughs> said. Um, all of these qualities are found in Christ. And all of these qualities, if we really look at it, we have to look that hard. It is Christ. You know what I mean? So it has to go hand in hand. I think we, yeah. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians about the helmet of salvation, some of them may have found the analogy. I read that already. Paul drives it. I read that. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, so what does a helmet have to do with salvation? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 through 11 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on a breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint to us wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other, and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So we can receive tremendous hope and comfort by focusing on the incredible sacrifice Christ gave to us, gave to save us and the amazing kingdom that is the goal of our salvation. This hope works like a helmet to protect our minds from the discouragement and despair in this world. The assurance of your salvation. The enemy loves to throw darts, fiery darts, or, and maybe even try to Hit at that armor every once in a while. You know, the enemy loves to throw darts and attacks of, of, of fear, doubt, and discouragement. So let me ask, let me pose a question. Has anyone ever felt discouraged in their salvation in any way? Now, I would say, for the sake of this conversation at least, let's say that discouragement is different from doubt, right? So 
for me and I, I know Chris and I, we've even talked about this on our podcast about just being discouraged, like knowing that you're saved, but being discouraged as a believer. Like I'm never going to proclaim the word of God again. I'm never going to get up there on Sunday and sing again. Like funk that. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. So has anybody ever felt this way in any capacity? I think I think uh shame can cause discouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I can I can uh Also, it's like when, when 
for me is just like when I realize I can't do what I always want to do or I can't do what I've been doing. And it's like, eh, is this Christian thing even that worth it? It's mm-hmm. like, it makes me start thinking like, uh, I would rather not. It's like, oh, I have to stop doing this thing now. It's like, it's like it's one of those things where I now have to level out like hey, is my faith what it is or is it I just want to keep doing what I'm doing so it's like that moment where it's like I have to choose between following God or just turning away and even if I do it's like God is like waiting for you and then somebody shows up and it's like crap you need to switch this thing out and stop doing this and it's like shows up so it's just like one of those things where it's like when I don't or I not can't do what I want to do. Mm. It's like, yeah. You know, mm. well, I'll, I'll just say when you have like close family members or friends who just don't want you are mm. like mm. rejecting them, mm. um, and it's kind of like a, a slap in your in your face. This is regarded like, and they make fun of it mm. and all that, and mm. so that's kind of like discouraging because mm. it's like you love them at the same time. But it's like you know that um, serving God, and they mm-hmm. don't agree. They think that, mm-hmm. and so you want them. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 I think uh, oh. I was just gonna agree with you. Or they know that you're following God, and put them through something. Oh. I know I put this in group, but I was struggling with just the feeling of not belonging um, earlier this week. And one thing that kept saying out is like, oh man, I can fit in anywhere. Like I'm literally like professionally trained to be able to fit in, in any situation or circumstances, but then also culturally trained to do the same thing, which that goes on to some real deeper levels we ain't got to address right now. But, um, and it can be super discouraging because I look at my friends and I'm like, dang, I don't kick it with them as hard as I do, uh, as hard as I did back in the day. Why? Because we don't live the same lifestyle. And then so, but it seemed like they consistently get in what the world will call blessed. You feel me? Of like, dang, like you about to get married? Like you? You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you got somebody, and I'm still over here just you know doing my Nehemiah and chill. You know what I mean? Like I ain't got I ain't got no one. And so, and those type of vibes of like, dang, I wish like sometimes it's like, yo Lord, I'm over here serving you, and I'm not seeing it, but it seemed like they getting all the fruit. Are you sure that you didn't plant that tree tree in the wrong yard? You know, like that seems like that's supposed to be mine, you know. And um, yeah, it just can be super discouraging if you listen to those lies of like, oh, yeah, this is what you're going after instead of you're going after a relationship with God. Yeah. And it wasn't conscious. It was something I was uh, doing that do it uh, 
like what we said a couple of weeks ago where I'm not giving it Satan any credit or anything like that but like it's not hate to say it but it's not always him like there's three things that work against us it is the world it is our flesh and it is the dark forces of, of the enemy um but in the same token he likes to use those other two things you know what I mean but but yeah and that's and I don't think you're alone um in feeling like I know you're not alone in feeling like you're unworthy. You know what I mean? And the truth of the matter is, we are not worthy. You know what I mean? Like, we are not worthy to receive this salvation. But thanks be to God. I, I was just praying. I was like, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what I mean? Thanks be to God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, he is what makes us worthy. There we say. He is what makes us. He is who God sees. You know what I mean? Like when he looks at us, like, you know, um, I don't know the particular scripture offhand, but the Bible talks about, um, it's in Romans where it talks about um, if we've been saved through his death, how much more are we being saved through his life? You know what I mean? So we're not just saved through, so good. It's not like we're not just saved through the death of Jesus, but we are saved through how he also lived his life. He, he doesn't see our life, he sees the life that Jesus lived. Um, I guess something uh, along the lines of you your comments It's about, uh, I was reading Isaiah 58. And um, I'll just read uh, from verse 2 um, and just a little bit background on this. Um, but Isaiah was kind of like petitioning for um, Israelites at the time or for them to really turn their hearts back to God after so many years of them being in exile. And mm-hmm. he says in verse 2, um, and this this whole chapter is kind of like, I guess, the um, blueprint, if you will, for a lot of what it is, to, what a fast act looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, Yet they seek me day by day in the light being not to amplify and delight superficially to know my ways <clears throat> as if they were in reality a nation that has done righteousness and has not abandoned to turn away from the ordinances of their God. They ask me for righteous judgment. They delight in the nearness of God, saying, Why have we fasted? Why have we fasted? They say, Can you not see it? We have humbled ourselves and you do not notice. Hear this, O Israel, on the day of the fast. When you should be grieving when your sin, when you should be grieving for your sins, you find something you desire to do, <clears throat> and you force your hired servants to work instead of stopping all work as the law teaches, and so on. You can, it's kind of long-winded, but um, the reason I, I thought about this when you made your comments, I think oftentimes when you get in this 
posture of just fasting to get kind of like a oneness or closeness to God is oftentimes it's a lot of recollection of like, oh, well, if I can just abstain from X, Y, and Z, that means I'm really reaching the heart of God. But then you read this, and then, you know, clearly he refutes it. Like, he says, like, they're saying, have we not humbled ourselves before you? And then when you read the, read the subsequent verses, he says, no, like, it's not about merely just humbling yourself. Really having been brokenhearted for your sin. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's one thing to have it in thought. That, okay, like, I think I'm doing all the necessary actions I need to do mm-hmm. to obtain God's favor in this season. But it's like, no, like, you have to have like, heartfelt repentance, mm-hmm. not only for your sin, but the sins of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's talking this to Isaiah, like, like, you need to be broken, not just for your sin, but the systems that have been, you know, have perpetuated all the stuff that we have going on. Mm-hmm. So just like as, as a group, I guess, corporately as we fast, just let us not just look at our own kind of grievances to the Lord, but also as a group, as a body, as a nation. Like That's really what I think connects this part of it. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage, I guess, y'all to kind of just, a little deeper, really puts the focus kind of like refocuses what we've, I guess, I've been about me getting closer to God. But it's you shift the focus on from yourself to like other people and the needs that are around you, then like nothing else really matters. No, it's that's definitely true. You see that in Job chapter 42, like where Job shifted. His prayers for from himself to his mm-hmm. friends and started asking for forgiveness for his friends. That's when God moved. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's what it's about for sure. Um, want to move? We gotta move quick because I do want to get to the sword of the spirit. I want to save that. I didn't want to save it last week, but we have. Um, and I know this is low hanging fruit, but we've all experienced doubt. And I'm sure of this. We've all experienced doubt. When it comes to our salvation, can I can mm-hmm. can I get an amen on that? Like we've all experienced that when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and that's one of the reasons why the Lord tells us through Paul to put on the helmet of salvation. You know, to like be assured in your faith. Like the Christian life, I, I heard it said because I was studying today about this. Like the Christian life. Um, Christian life is not a life of uncertainty. It is a life of certainty. You can be certain in that the Lord has saved you, that you are being saved, and that he's coming back for you. You know what I mean? And that you are a part of his of, of His family. You can be sure in that. You can rest assured in that. There's ways in which you can be sure. Am I growing in the faith? Am I walking with the Lord? Am I Am I loving what is right and hating what is wrong? And it's not always about like, am I sinning less? Mm-hmm. We are like, it's not always about that. It's it's it might be, am I continuing to do this particular sin? That's a that's another subject, or not another subject. That's another thing. But am I am I growing in the Lord? Am I am I recognizing my sin? Is the Lord changing me from the inside out? You know what I mean? Like it's not always it's not this thing of like. Like, cause as you're being sanctified, God's going to expose you to more sinful stuff that you do. Like, you're not about to be like, oh yeah, I'm in it. There's no more sin. 
God's gonna be like, hold on, brother. Like right before I take you out, you're 90 years old. Let me show you this. Yeah, you watching Sanford and Son on this particular day, and you was wild. You know what I mean? Like whatever it might be. Like there's not gonna be a time until glory that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know anyone. I don't know what what you doing. I don't know what you did in that show or what you thought about to make it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it might be that. It might be that small. But what we think? Yeah. Peter chapter five verse eight through nine. Be sober and vigilant. Be, no, Peter. First, maybe first Peter. I, this is type of, I was about to say. Yeah, I was like, I was like, wait, wait, wait. Nah, this, I was studying with Donald Trump. Nah, this Peter. Two Peter. Two Peter. Two Peter. Let's say first Peter. Thank you, sir. We'll fact check it. Yeah. Five verse eight through nine. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not the only one. Expose the sin. You're not the only one being tempted. You're not the only one at times succumbing to sin. He's looking to see whom he may devour. Stand firm. Our enemy hates that we have chosen this path and will stop at nothing to destroy us because of it. Like Satan knows no boundaries. Like he is, ba- he has bounds because he is not all powerful and he is not all Mom. present and he is not all powerful. None of that stuff, but. That man, he he don't care if you three years old. He don't care if you eighty five. He don't care. He don't care if you in school and you ain't got time for this right now. He don't care about none of that, you know. So he'll stop at nothing. Just as the helmet protects the vital but vulnerable head from otherwise fatal blows, the hope of salvation can protect our thoughts from our enemies' attacks and temptation to disobey God. Mm-hmm. Psalm twenty seven verse one: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? With the helmet securely fastened, we can have the same confidence that Paul did that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We understand that it doesn't matter what happens to us now. No matter what trials we face, we know that at the end of it all, awaits God's kingdom in an eternity of his perfect reign. And what could be better than that? If you are walking with the Lord, you will see fruit. You will see the evidence of your faith. You won't have to doubt because you will see that the Lord is moving in your life and in your heart. The Christian life is a certain life. Put on the helmet of salvation in times of discouragement and doubt and fear. So scriptures on salvation um, is... Already for this. Justification, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you're trying to play me or not. But <laughs> Romans chapter eight. You recording this, right? I am. He's gonna be like Romans chapter eight. Verse 38 and 39. 
And if somebody, if, I mean, we could we could popcorn it. If somebody wants to read a specific one, that's fine. We'll do that. Um, Romans chapter ten. This is a well-known one. I don't know if y'all y'all might know this. Romans chapter ten, verse nine and ten. Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Acts chapter four, verse twelve. If somebody could read Acts chapter four, verse twelve, that'd be awesome. Um, Second Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 9. If somebody can read 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 9. Chapter 1, verse 9. Psalm 62, verse 1. Acts, chapter 2, verse 21. I mean... I'll probably read it. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. And 1 Peter chapter 1, 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Yeah. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty is God, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is, being made righteous, being freed of guilt and sin, made acceptable. God, and with the mouth he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in confirming salvation. Amen. Mm. Oh, my soul was silently for God. From him comes my salvation. Mm. He only is my God. Mm. He is my God. Mm. I shall not. Who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10 to? Sure. But, it's now, but it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Christ, mm. who hath abolished death and hath brought life and morality to life through the gospel. Amen. Thank you. Romans 5.10 CSB For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by him? Mm-hmm. And not only that mm-hmm. but we will also rejoice in God through him through whom we are Romans 8.38 But I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Remember that time we read that and we were shouting for like 10 minutes in here? It was like five of us in here. We just, 
They ain't read the whole chapter and we was just like, Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> um First Peter chapter one, verse eight and nine. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. Uh, chapter one, verse eight and nine. Uh, da, 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 da. Awesome, awesome. Jesus Himself even said, "Blessed are those who believe and have not." That's right. That's right. Apostles walked with Him and were able to see Him and because of the Holy Spirit and the faith we believe in Him and we have. Amen. 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 Greater blessings. I'm not saying that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that it's just that it's not fleshly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> faith is not. You can't have it without the Lord. Amen. Because He may encourage us. Yes. Who do you mean? When he was saying that, he was talking he was to Thomas. He was talking to Thomas. Amen. All right. Sword of the Spirit. The Bible, this is a quote by Thomas Guthrie. The Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons, a laboratory of infallible medicine, a mine of inexhaust of exhaustless wealth. It is a guidebook for every world, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, and a bomb for every wound. Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost his son. Mm-hmm. Thomas Guthrie. Who, who's the last part? Rob us of our Bible, and our sky has lost his son. So the Greek, um, so the Greek word for uh, sword in the text that we're reading in um, Ephesians chapter six is um, it's called a makaria, and it's used for like close hand to hand combat. So if you're thinking about a long sword, nah, it's it's something that's used like for up close and personal combat, mm-hmm. right? And um, so like when you're thinking about fighting, picture that imagery, right? So Acts 14, verse 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. James chapter one, verse two through four. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So if we could ward off if we could ward off the enemy from afar and all of that stuff, there'd be like there'd be no tribulation. Like there'd be nothing that to make us more like Christ. There would be nothing to make us, you know, grow. <laughs> I mean, like there'd be nothing if there'd be nothing for us to grow in love with, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? And to to show our calling and election, sure, if you will. You know, the sword of the spirit is the only weapon that Paul seems to list in our arsenal. Why do you think that is? Wait, what's the question? Why is the sword the only weapon, the only offensive? Um, the only offensive tool that we have. Why? Why is that? The other elements, 
Right, but why? It's the only one we need. It's the only one we need. Paul this one one weapon because we only need one weapon. There there is no enemy the word of God coupled with his spirit cannot defeat. Hebrews chapter four verse twelve says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The all-powerful sword of the living God is able to cut through every defense our enemy can raise, down to the very division of bone and marrow. It's like, to correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, but that is the most, that is the deepest you can go, right? When wielded, when wielded by a servant of God, nothing can withstand this ability to cut straight to the core of a matter and uncover the truth. As soldiers in God's army, it is our responsibility and duty to use his word to discern the truth and then follow it. When God's word shows us something wrong in ourselves, we can use the spiritual weapon to surgically remove the offending thoughts and actions. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5. Unlike all other pieces, and I'm moving fast, because, you know, it's 10 o'clock. Unlike all pieces, all other pieces of the armor of God, which are solely defense, defensive, excuse me, the sword is uniquely suited for both defensive and offensive roles. A solid defense is invaluable, but the sword is the only way we can complete the work we have been given to do. Notice that Jesus Christ used the Bible to counter Satan's acts in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 and 7 and 10. We must also learn to, to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, verse 4. We fight knowing the end of the story. This is my third and last point. We fight knowing the end of the story. Two of the many powerful and sure promises in God's word tell us that if we remain dedicated to God and his word, we will make it to the end. That we are saved. There is no doubt in this statement. God's promises are as sure as the one he told Isaiah. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 11. Amen. Um, so scriptures on the word of God are Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 18, verse 30. Matthew, chapter 24, verse 35. I remember that one being dope. Somebody could read that. I mean, they're all dope. <laughs> I remember that one being a standout, if you will. Psalm 119, verse 130. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, which we read. John chapter 1, verse 14. I know Darren wants to read that. Thank you, sir. John chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And I'll read um, Isaiah 55, verse 11.
5, your word is a lamp to my feet. The unfolding of your glorious word gives light. The unfolding gives understanding to John 1 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and holding all things by the word of his power, we have by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of judgment. It makes so much better than the angels that I inheritance and more than that. Isaiah chapter 55, I'll start at verse 10 to 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. And without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Isaiah chapter 55, 10 and 11. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for equipping us, Lord God. I heard it said that up. You give us this armor, but you don't, you don't make us put it on. You gave it to us, and um, and it is b- very beneficial for us to put it on, and it is something that you have to remind us of each and every day, Lord. Um, we are on the battlefield whether we want to be or not. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, we uh, would like to be on the battlefield fully armored and, and fully ready to um, to fight, Lord God. And we love the fact that we when we're fighting, we, we're fighting already knowing the outcome, mm-hmm. Lord God. It's like watching a, a game that you already know the score to, the end result of, Lord. We already know the outcome, so we're not we're not shaken by any turnovers or or any rebounds that somebody else might have gotten, or, or if in the, um, in the football sense of any fumbles that we might get or anything like that. Because Lord, we know the outcome, and we know that you are with us fighting. In, in the midst of it all, where your, where your word says, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. As it, as it goes on to say um, in Ephesians where it says, and having done all to stand. Thank you, Lord, for um, equipping us, Lord God. Um, cause us to put on the full armor of God each and every day, Lord God, when we wake up. Um, even as we sleep, for some of us, Lord God, where the enemy likes to attack us in our sleep. When the enemy likes to attack us while we're dreaming or right before we go to sleep or, or, or whatever it might be, Lord God, whenever you know the hour, and Lord God, help us to stand firm. Help us to stand firm on your promises and not just to not just to sit on your premises, but stand firm on your promises, Lord God. 
So, um, and um, just like we learned today that we need each other to fight, you know, just as um, Darren was saying, like, we have blind spots, so we need each other. Lord God, we need each other to build one another up. Just like it talks about the, um, the, the geese, they, they fly and, and they take turns taking the lead and they take turns and one of them is in the back um, um, squawking at the one in the front telling them to keep going and don't give up and, and, and to keep flying and to fly this way and to fly that way. Lord God, such are we to be to our brothers and sisters, Lord God. And so when we fight in this evil day and some of us are experiencing evil right now, Lord God, allow us to to not just know the word of God, but to be hearers, not just to be hearers, but doers also, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus. As we are, we are um, attacked on every side, Lord God, we are being attacked on every side, but Lord, you are, you are right there with us and you are right there in the trenches with us, Lord God. We love you and we glorify you and we praise your holy name. We give thanks um, and we pray for um, traveling mercies for we thank you for everybody that's here. We pray and everybody that isn't here, Lord God, we pray that um, we pray for safe travels and, and mercies, Lord God, until we see one another again. We give you all the glory, all the honor and all the praise. Amen. 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 Um, next week, um, I think I think I need to do like. Three parts because we need to talk about prayer and the cloak and all that. Unless you got something else you want to talk about. All right, so we'll we'll do a three part on this and then we'll close out. Um, we talking about prayer and the cloak of zeal, which I didn't know anything about. Um, and what it means to pray and like how prayer is in line with all those other things. Amen. Thank y'all. Praise God. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.